Hi, welcome to Nectar's Conversations, where we're having intimate conversations into the psychedelic wellness journey. My name is Pascal Tremblay, and I'm the co-founder of Nectar. We're a psychedelic support ecosystem, and today I'm joined by my friend, Phil Jacobs. Hi, Phil. Hi, Pascal. Great to be here, and I'm uh, looking forward to the conversations and how they're going to unfold today about psychedelic medicines and sound therapy and things like that. So thank you. Likewise, me and Phil met like 18 months ago, I think, or two years. I don't know the time has been flying so much in the last few years. I'm not sure. But around that time, I met Phil uh, through a project that we collaborated on and had a beautiful conversation with him back then on the very first call and then had another really good conversation with him on the second call and then had a couple of webinars with him. And um, he's been hosting uh, Sound Healing Journeys on Nick Tara, and he's doing some amazing things. Phil, do you want to share a bit more about your background? Sure, sure. Um, it was an amazing, uh, you know, coincidence, synchronicity uh, with the uh, Psychedelic Association of Canada. And we did some uh, did some events there. And then we co-created uh, some events with Nectara with uh, the Twilight Tuesday events that we're doing here specifically on the solstice and the equinox and uh, helping to support the Shakruna Institute. And uh, it was an amazing, beautiful experience. And um, I feel so grateful to be sharing my experience of sound and psychedelics and, you know, getting into the neuroscience of things. Um, but a little bit of my, uh, my background here, um, I've been a trained and practicing TCM Chinese medicine practitioner from uh, 2008. And I retired the title um, about, well, was about that last year and uh, specifically come into working with psychedelic medicines and sounds. And, uh, leading, uh, leading up to that, uh, you know, I've had a, had a journey like we all have, uh, growing up in uh, the seventies and the eighties and having parents that, uh, you know, uh, grew up through the fifties and sixties and, you know, talking to my mom the other day around what her experience was like in the sixties, she was a teenager and watching all of the psychedelic movement happening back then. And then the, uh, anti-psychedelic movement, which, uh, which came in in like uh, the late sixties or early seventies. And I was born 1972 and witnessed what that was like as a child, all the racism and, uh, what was happening, uh, happening in the world. And, uh, through the eighties, nineties, studying music, and then coming into my own health issues and really not knowing what was going on. And, uh, 2005, I came across, I'll get more into detail. I came across uh, cannabis and that was my first entry into understanding about uh, psychedelic medicines and plant medicines. And that led me into studying Chinese medicine and that, uh, helped me integrate sound and vibration and frequencies into medicine and healing, uh, eventually ended up healing myself and, uh, you know, come to this point of being able to talk about the neuroscience, the subtle body, the emotional body and everything that's involved in, uh, in the healing process and how powerful psychedelic medicines and music, music is psychedelic with, you know, everything is psychedelic. It's a psychedelic mind manifest. And, uh, so excited to be on this conversation with you and, uh, elaborate a little bit more about my practice and uh, the things that I'm getting up to. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. And what I've really loved about our conversation so far is the the bridging of the science and the wisdom traditions angle that you have. And I learned a lot about the science, but I really appreciate the kind of the multidimensional approach you take to your work. Can you talk a bit more about that bridging that you're um, you've been working on and, and exploring for yourself? Mm -hmm, I can. Thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you for asking. It's, uh, you know, I turned 50 this year, um, which was quite, uh, quite a monumental birthday. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, I'm at a point in my life where I can integrate all of my life's experiences. So it's, you know, going through, through the, the, I guess I want to say the, the trauma or the, the, um, how would I say turbulence, turbulence is a better, uh, a better, a better word for that turbulence throughout my whole life. And then coming into what my spirit purpose is and what my emotional, uh, what my, my energy purpose is here and what my, uh, universal directive is as a, as a being on this, uh, on this planet and to go through the trials and tribulations and the turbulence, uh, to get to this point, I feel very grateful and, you know, in my own healing journey, recognizing with music and sound, uh, you know, as early as, you know, five or six, um, really coming into, you know, those BG harmonies, those, the, the, the harmonies of ABBA and putting the headphones on and like listening to those frequencies and feeling and remembering how good that made me feel and being in that state of consciousness, which inspired me to learn about music you know, learn how to play guitar, learn how to sing and, uh, not recognizing at the time. Cause I really, really loved, um, heavy metal music and, uh, rock and roll and, you know, the, the revolutionary music, you know, and the pushback against the system or oppression, you know, oppressive, uh, oppressive systems. And, um, I use my, my voice at that time when I was a, a singer of, of a band in a very, very angry way. And that actually affected me you know, using my voice in anger, it, uh, not necessarily didn't hurt anybody else, but hurt, hurt me and embodying, mm. uh, embodying the anger and, um, you know, helped me to have a really good look about, um, the importance of, um, integrating emotional content. And then also the importance of what's the flip side of the emotion. You know, once we feel the emotion, yes, we have to express it. We have to, you know, clear it from our system, but what then? What do we, what do we do then integrating like medical Qigong, which is a very, very important practice in my life. Um, they came in and I started to understand the virtue, which the emotion, the emotion was signaling so I can release the emotion, but then what can I do to reconstitute the body, the energy, the spirit, the mind, um, to come into a virtuous place that I'm not destructive. I'm more creative now. It's taken me 50 years to get to that point, but, uh, I'm very, uh, very happy to, to be there. Yeah. It's a beautiful journey. And, um, you know, they say the older you get, the wiser you hopefully are. And, um, it's a unique journey for all of us, but, um, congratulations on your 50th year and the, the lessons and, and teachings you've accumulated through the turbulence. And I really connect with your story around, um, putting on a really beautiful piece of music and really sitting with it and really feeling it. And for me, music has been a huge part of my journey. Like ever since I was um, 11, I picked up my sister's Walkman. There was yellow Walkmans that used to exist all the time. And um, there was a cassette, which was Metallica. And it felt so re revolutionary for me back then to listen to, you know, hard rock or metal. And uh, it did have that energy of like, um, you know, fighting oppressive systems. It did have this sense of freedom of expression. And uh, that was deep medicine for me. And so ever since that day, I've just been 
listening to music every every day for hours and that's been a huge part of my exploration of using music and different sound um, styles like different musical styles across many years um, the the styles shift along with the journey and what i connect with uh, on a lyrical but also frequency level like changes along with how i'm changing along my own healing journey um and so i i really love that you bring that into the the fold and the conversation today is just the the beauty and 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 power of music for for healing thank you thank you it's um i i i, I feel and uh get so much joy out of this transition into listening to angry music all the time and playing angry music anger anger is a very very important emotion and i'm, I'm not uh, playing anger down at all but it was signaling something and where i lacked the wisdom in is that i stayed at it i stayed in the anger where the anger is signaling something where there's a boundary uh, inside of me that's been crossed or it's, uh, it, it's not, uh, it's in conflict with, uh, you know, my heart's desires. And um, it, uh, you know, the anger, we know anger as, a, as an emotion will fire off the cortisol levels in the body, which will then influence the kidneys, the kidneys and the adrenals. And that cortisol in the body all the time with that anger response is going to produce all kinds of, or ranges of uh, health conditions and health issues. With the uh, cortisol in the bloodstream, you can consider it, uh, a, you know, a, a base hormone or a root chakra hormone or close to a sacral chakra hormone. And when we're feeling that anger and we're staying in the anger, um, you know, that was flowing through my body and it wasn't releasing and I wasn't uh, detoxing from the cortisol. It was a constant, constant thing in my body. Um, you know, as, as growing up in, in, in stressful situations and in the environments at home, it was my baseline. So that's, that's what I knew, but there was nothing, I'm going to say nothing publicly accessible that said, well, here's your anger. What can I do with it? What happened with this in, even in therapy or, or in, or in a psychotherapeutic, um, and dynamic was talk about the anger but then that left me in the anger. It didn't really, really talk about the anger and help me shift into, into what I, what I now know is a, is a very, very important system in, a, in our bodies, right? So the emotion, the emotion from what I understand now and, and what I experience is the sympathetic nervous system response. And if we stay in a sympathetic, we know the sympathetic nervous system response is the fight flight. There's a few other ones, uh, you know, there's, like five things I can name, right? But it's the fight or flight in that survival mode. Like, I feel like I'm going to die. Something's crossing my boundary and I feel like I got to protect myself, like protect, protect, protect so hard. And when I started to learn about the parasympathetic nervous system, I was like, Oh, what's this? What is this? The parasympathetic nervous system is the, the system that helps to rest and digest and actually detoxify from the emotional, let's say emotional surge of hormones that get put into the bloodstream and then stay into the bloodstream. So we, we come into that restful place. We're able to actually detox from that emotional content, recalibrate and recenter. And we can do that every night. 
when we go to sleep, proper night's sleep and things like that. But there's other things that, uh, that we can introduce to there. But it was my understanding of the two systems. We have a sympathetic nervous system, which is the emotional response. And the emotional response is not necessarily anger. And from Chinese medicine, I'll go through the five basic emotional responses, which is fear, anger, anxiety, worry, and grief, grief and sadness. That's the emotional response. So in the parasympathetic nervous system, there's a virtue, which goes simultaneously like the yin and yang. So we got the yin, which is the emotion and the yang, which is the virtue and the fear, the virtue is wisdom, anger. The virtue is compassion, anxiety. The virtue is joy, worry. The virtue is trust. And then sadness and grief. The virtue is integrity. I'm like, okay, well, how does this all work? And going further into that, and we can get into this a little later in the conversation about if we're stuck in the virtue, <laughs> this is, this is, this is a, the flip side of this. If we're stuck in the virtue. We're not getting any sort of emotional signaling, which could land us in a very, very depressive state. If that makes sense. An emotional mm -hmm. state is a very, very heightened protective state. So there's, there, there's a flip side of, to, to, to all of these things. And it's an understanding that we have to have a balance of both. We're human beings. The emotions are there to tell us something. And it's up to us how we integrate that information from the emotion, not acting from the emotion. If that makes sense. We look mm -hmm. at that brings in that, that psychedelic place of where we go. And I feel like I want to hear what, uh, what's coming up for you. Yeah, it's uh, one of my teachers, Robin Clemens, says, um, you know, feel the emotion, don't become the emotion, which I think is what you're alluding to in, uh, in well-spoken words there. Um, so you were a younger man, like feeling this uh, um, surge of uh, angry energy in your body and you're using your voice as well to do that, which is a whole different level of connecting with sound, right? Um, and you're working through these... Uh, you know, intense emotions and what changed in terms of your narrative around that? And what did you seek in terms of tools and knowledge um, to support yourself in that transition? Good, uh, good question. It's given me all the flashbacks since the, since the beginning of my lifetime and this, uh, and this occurrence. Um, growing up, how I grew up, I'll talk about culture and environment in uh, just as you grew up uh, first 10 years, just south of London, England. Um, and the racism uh, was pretty brutal in that and uh, didn't understand really like what's going on. Like my color, my color of skin is not necessarily like white and it's not necessarily dark. Um, it's somewhere in between. So there was no real place for me to fit in. So um, there was often uh, an anger towards, well, from, from, from both sides, de depending, depending on the, depending on the different, uh, the different colors at the time. My, and my father got, uh, he's very, very dark. He, he got, he got a lot of skinhead racism and it was just what, you know, the white supremacy. And I saw that. And there was points in time where he couldn't walk down the street in our neighborhood at night because there was a fear, his fear of him being attacked and, my mom, my mom was uh, very white English. <clears throat> so I grew up watching my parents deal with culture and society 
and they uh, they decided uh, when I was about ten years old to uproot us and come to Toronto, Canada. So we've been here since I was uh, ten, so forty years, and uh, experienced a little bit of you know like you're new, you got a, you got an English accent, you're you're a different color. Um, so it was, it was, it was a little bit difficult for, I think the, the, the kids in, at, at my age to accept. And I got into a lot of fights, physical, physical fights, defending myself in England and here when I first got here. And when I got here in his grade five, about three months in, my parents were called in cause they were going to actually expel me from the first, the first school that I was in in Canada. Gabor Mate has just released a book, the myth, the, the myth of normal, right? Like seriously, that the oppression, even in just other people's minds that they've been delivered, you know, how to respond and, and, and what's normal. So I developed, developed a very protective and then anybody, anybody was not safe. And we know that if we don't feel safe, you're in an automatic fight or flight mode instantaneously. So at home, it didn't feel safe because I was getting a lot of um, parental oppression. I'm going to say that parental uh, oppression. My dad's uh, Indian back back to the day, uh, so we can understand what culture that was coming in. And then my mom was uh, um, also grew up in a very very stiff upper lip uh, English. You know, you don't talk back to your parents. You keep your mouth shut, and you only speak when you're spoken to or else the, you know, the consequences are very, very severe. So, um, leads me into my teenagers. So teenagers, I 13, I decided to buy a guitar and I hid it from my parents. My, my dad never wanted me to get it. Such a rebel. (laughs) Right. So I went, you know, I went with my cousin, uh, to Steve's music store in in, in Toronto and got my first guitar for a hundred bucks. And I kept it at my cousin's place for a long time. (laughs) Until, until it felt appropriate to say, Hey, uh, you know, dad, I, uh, I went out and got my guitar and, uh, this is, uh, this is what I really, really, you know, I really enjoy playing, playing the guitar and I want to learn. And, and that, uh, that through high school was my, um, my soother, you know, it was like the place that I went to that I felt that I could go to safely. It wasn't external. It was something that I could bring something internal out and inside myself. So unexpressed sadness and grief with my boundaries being crossed by my parents and culture and society, I developed the, the, uh, the skin, uh, the skin rash and that throughout my teenage years, uh, developed all over my scalp and, uh, into my twenties, it got uh, even worse. Then I was starting to soothe myself with, uh, you know, drinking and alcohol. Uh, to sort of numb out and then still playing music and, you know, being the rebel rock star and, and doing, doing all, all, all of the, all of the gigs and stuff like that. But my early twenties, I, uh, I got married very early and I had my eldest son who's now 28 and my youngest son. Oof. <sighs> Who is, um, whoo didn't know those, uh, those emotions are still, they're very, very present. Um, my, uh, my, my youngest son, who's 22. Um, so I had, uh, you know, both of those in, in my twenties. And when I was, 
in my teenage years, I swore to myself, I would never, ever do to my kids what my parents did. Mm -hmm. So when I got married and had kids, there were stressful situations that my reactivity, I, I, I reacted towards my eldest son, not the way that I wanted to. And I don't mm -hmm. want to get into details. It was pretty harsh, but I felt so fucking bad, so bad afterwards. I left the marriage and I left my kids. That was the first thing in my mind. I'm like, you made an agreement that you would never, ever do this. Now you've done it. What are you going to do? And, um, you know, later, <laughs> later on in my years, my, my eldest son, we've had, we've had some good healing conversations. And I think it was, I don't know if it was last year or the, or the year before he was like, uh, fuck you for leaving dad, but thank you. Because <laughs> he, 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 you know, he's, he's an understanding about how, you know, the trauma, how it gets stored in the brainstem. And like, if you go into a fight or flight mode, that's the only program you know how to come from. We look at, you know, the environments and, and, and things like that. So, um, back to, um, my body and my, my immune system, the skin rashes and the psoriasis. When I was 33, I was playing a gig um, playing guitar. And I was, uh, I was singing in a, in a, in a barn, just playing the circuits and stuff like that. And through the first set, I started to lose the ability to, to move my hand. And then I lost the ability to actually, uh, sustain a vocal tone in tune. Hey, I'm like, look back to my drummer. He's like, you okay? And I'm like, ah, don't know what's going on. Really don't know what's going on. I said, okay, we're going to take a break. So he hopped on the mic and say, Hey, we're taking a break put my guitar down, run to the phone, call 911. Oh no, no. I called telehealth and I said, these are the symptoms that are, that are happening. They thought I was having a stroke. So I went to emergency, told them what happened, uh, telling, trying to tell them what happened. And as, as I'm telling them, my faculties of remembering were just like disappearing. And so they took me into uh, emergency and I ended up staying in the hospital for five weeks. And through, you know, the first week, um, I couldn't feed myself. I couldn't walk. I couldn't dress myself. And then, you know, f four, four weeks later after that, um, they're like, well, you have a form of MS, which is very, very rare. So multiple sclerosis. And, um, you know, we all know about the, the myelin sheath and the, the nervous system and, now, looking back now with the anger, grief, oppressive society, um, and what I had gone through, what my parents had gone through, what their parents had gone through, um, my immune system was automatically oppressing itself. Mm -hmm. the, the signaling was just like, okay, you, you, you just got to shut down here. And it literally shut me down. Um, where, where I couldn't move. And I remember conversations that I'm having my, with myself as I'm lying in, in the hospital bed, um, not being able to move. And, uh, I was like, well, what are you, what are we going to do now? Like, is this the rest of our life? Are we, are we going, are we going out now? Or, you know, and this voice came to me and said, um, you're going through this because you're strong enough. You're, you're resilient enough to know how to heal yourself. It's going to take some time and you, you are now going to help people through 
not heal, not heal people <laughs> that I can act as a guide or say a lighthouse, um, to help people through, you know, these, these kinds of conditions like, uh, so, you know, death, you know, contemplating death, contemplating like losing faculties or lo absolutely losing yourself and shutting down. And, um, so that was, that was that big incident. That was the big incident. I call it the Jesus year, right? The Jesus year where the universe literally killed me. Mm -hmm. And we know that we, you know, we're not separate from the universe. Like, well, then I recognize is that like, what is inside of me is killing me. What is, what is inside of me is, 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 is creating a sacrifice in such a way that, um, that, um, you know, a, a, as I heal, I'm going to attain wisdom and I'm going to draw from the wisdom that is within, that's going to, it's going to carry me through this and push it from the inside out, whatever has been entrained in me, you know, over generations, uh, generations since the beginning of time. I'm understanding from my experience of what I've gone through with Western medicine, when we're looking at the psyche, they're looking at sort of disconnecting the body from the psyche, right? which is, we know, we know the trouble with that, but we know the effectiveness of that to, you know, to heal ourselves. Sometimes that needs to happen. But if it's constantly pills, constantly like numbing out and things like that, it's not effective. It's actually worsening the body's, uh, body's conditions. So integrating the emotions and understanding how the emotions and the mindset and the energy and the spirit of the spirit of the person can actually from the inside out, start to heal the body. That was absolutely incredible. And that led me into, uh, internships in Guatemala and, uh, China overseas with fabulous, fabulous experiences around seeing how they're integrating this medicine with uh, Western medicine we can influence that subconscious vibration that we can then flush out what's making us sick and then really, really bring into the true authentic self. So mm -hmm. that was, yeah. And then that was my sort of state step in a gateway to, um, really using psychedelic medicines appropriately in a, in a healing sense and then understanding from a contemplative psychotherapy, uh, a relational psychosomatic therapy point of view, how, how important this work is and the, uh, the sacredness of the container that needs to, needs to be happening with, uh, with this, uh, this type of healing. A beautiful, I love your story around, um, you know, having this history with your parents and your upbringing and, you know, with, uh, oppressive systems and, um, the connection to music as sort of a, you know, a savior, I would say, is that the right word? Like uh, some, um, new thing that got into your life that transformed your life forever. And, um, I love the kind of irony and the poetry of you having lived, uh, with parents that were kind of culturally or, um, in a very real way, traumatizing you around suppressing your voice and your creativity. And then you picked up a guitar in secret and made music and your voice, your medicine and sharing it with the world as well. So I just want to commend you on that journey of, of, uh, you know, deep internal healing through a lot of pain and suffering and eventually kind of leading the way to like sharing those gifts into the world and how, um, it was divinely called in, I would say on that Jesus year that you called, which I, <laughs> I, I love to use that term, but, um, yeah, I just want to commend you on the journey you've been on and just, uh, um, 
the unfolding of the gifts and the unfolding of the knowledge, which, um, as you've shared is, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot to learn there. And I'd love to learn more about, um, the science behind healing and sounds. Cause you talked about frequencies. You've talked about kind of the emotional content of music. Um, I'd love to hear more around what you learned along the way around the, the sound of, of, uh, frequencies and also the healing that comes with it. Like what, what is the latest science and what, what are the things that you found the most interesting along your path? Mm, thank you. Thank, and thank you for, for, for witnessing, uh, my story, Pascal. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful feeling to be, uh, to be witnessed. And probably one of the most important things to embody is, 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 uh, is to be witnessed by purely witnessed by another, another being, another human being, uh, soul being. So, uh, thank you. Uh, thank you for that. And thank you for the space. It's, uh, you know, it was, it was interesting, um, to, you know, come into Chinese medicine and traditional medicines and really, really understand. And, and you know, back in the day, the cultures, the, the medicine, the medicine person, I'm going to say feminine, masculine, however, however you, um, however you want to bring that forward. They would use songs, they would use movement, and then they would use uh, some sort of a herbal plant medicine concoction. And then the whole community would get together and it wouldn't be isolated into, into anything, but the whole community would get together and, and sing and move. And, you know, once the, once the entity of disease was flushed through the system, the person would often rise you know, rise like the Phoenix, you know, dying, you know, dying to the, to the sickness and then, you know, coming into a fullness, uh, a fullness of themselves. And what I learned in, um, you know, I'm going to come back to medical Qigong, right? Cause medical Qigong was pre Chinese medicine and Chinese medicine was based out of, uh, out of that, the, you know, that Qigong Taoist Qigong practice is they had uh, different tones for the, for the, to clear the different emotions. <laughs> is this, are you serious? Right? Like when I'm reading this, I'm like, why don't we know about this? Why hmm. isn't, why isn't this on public record that, you know, if, if we sing and we, and we create tones, we can, you know, we can heal ourselves, not just go to a club or, you know, put on headphones and, you know, dance, dance around with like, there's a real, real sense of healing here. And so then I was like, okay, so I can sing play guitar, I can play, I can play, I can play music and things. So I started to, you know, perf not perform, but integrate, uh, sound and, and music and songs into like my acupuncture sessions and then watch how quickly the body could recalibrate itself. So, so, so quickly. And then looking into, uh, looking into a bit further around the neuroscience and the power that sound has on our nervous system, specifically brain, the brain and, uh, the brainwave entrainment and looking into the different subsets of the, the brainwaves that uh, we know in, in Western, in Western medicine. So I looked at it. And there's five, there's just five different subsets of brainwaves, right? We've got the Delta, which is the, the, let's say the slowest, uh, we got the theta and we got the alpha and we got the beta and we got the gamma and Delta. We'll say, look at it from a yin yang, a yin yang type of type of way, right? 
delta being the most yin and the gamma being the most yang. Relating to the two, the two systems of the nervous system, we can say a sympathetic response is yang and a parasympathetic response is yin. So we can look at on a relational perspective that the delta wave is more para parasympathetic, very relaxed. If you go into a delta wave consciousness, when we go to sleep, very, very still. And then, you know, during the day, we can come up to a gamma wave, uh, gamma wave consciousness, which is a very symp sympathetic, um, sympathetic response. Daytime, we need to be a little bit more sympathetic and a little bit more active, a little bit more young. And at nighttime, we go into this more yin state, uh, parasympathetic state. And we often look at diseases and the different uh, types of diseases. And I'm going to look at two of them specifically, which is uh, anxiousness, which would be like a high gamma, a high sympathetic state. And then there is a, a, a depression or a depressive state, which is a very, very low doesn't want to move very not motivated, which is a very, very yin state. So we, we look in, we relate to the traditional medicines from a yin yang, those kinds of states. We need a balance of both. We need a balance of both, but if we're stuck in one state, this is where the disease occurs. And this is where the neurons start to fire off all the time. It becomes automated automated every response every situation becomes an automated place and what i'm learning and what i have learned in, in in my own life it's a you know it's a range of frequencies and if i can access all frequencies if i have that at my access or at my tool belt i'm able to shift i'm able to to adapt i'm able to respond in the the, the most appropriate way instead of the preconceived or the pre-programmed, uh, pre-programmed -pre -pre way. So we look at, I'm just going to talk about the brain waves real, real simple here. Um, the brain waves from, and I'll look at, uh, the, uh, beta brain wave and the alpha brain wave, which is, I'm going to say the, the third alpha is the third and the beta, I'm going to say is the fourth, the fourth level up. And the relationship between theta and, and, uh, alpha, I'm sorry, beta, beta and alpha is the difference between having your eyes open and your eyes closed. As soon as you open your eyes, you shift into some sort of a beta state, which they wouldn't call like a waking consciousness. doesn't necessarily mean like you're awake, awake, but like awake, like your eyes are open and you're getting external information. As soon as you close your eyes, you drop into an alpha state which is you coming inside, being inside, which is a very, very yin state. And then from the alpha state, you can access the theta, which is where we do creative visualization, right? Anything that we want to imagine, your imagination, dreams, and things like that. And then we can drop in from there, which is the delta state of consciousness, which is very, very still, most mostly with no occurrences of nothing coming on. So no thoughts, no anything, but just pure, pure awareness. And it hasn't become anything yet. We can call that from a Buddhist point of view, a state of emptiness. It hasn't become anything, but it can be anything. And in that state, in the Delta state, we can really, really come into uh, a vibration of self and then work our way up into 
once we're in the delta state into a theta state where we can actually start to visualize and imagine what it is we want to shift, whatever it is we want to change, or whatever information that is in there that we want to do. And then the alpha, when we come into the alpha state, which is just pre-opening our eyes, it starts to embody, that, that vibration starts to embody in our nervous system, which is very powerful. And then when we open our eyes, then we can start to act accordingly and take action to what it is that has come through in, the, in, in, in those states. And then the gamma, is is heightened heightened awareness i'm exploring this a little bit more because in in back in the day it would be a combination of all of those brain waves accessing the gamma state where you know the the ancient monks in the day used to use move stones with their minds they used to be able to move things with their minds that's the crazy amazing and i'm i'm learning about this and in the interconnectivity of all things, we can influence vibrational wise. I know that we can influence, you know, you know, people in a room if we're over happy or overly sad, we start to feel that vibration or resonance. In, in a full embodied state, I feel what we're capable of is that we're able to do those things that we were told that we can't do or maybe necessarily told that was witchcraft or devil's work. You know, we, you know, it was a, it was a very, very oppressive state. So as I'm coming through this, I'm understanding the bio electro magnetic magnetive magnet, um, of ourselves, our heart centers, our mind centers, and what we can do, we can definitely, definitely, definitely influence things around us and inside of us by the way that we feel and the way that we vision, which is absolutely mm. incredible mm. using sound and using sound, right? Using sound and vibrational frequencies, a range of them, not just one. It's not just 432. It's not 440. It's not 20 Hertz or it's, or it's that we are a dynamic being and have access to all of those brainwave states. And I'm going to call those brainwave states, brainwave states in Western medicine. I'm going to call these dimensions, the dimensions that we have access to through and psychedelic medicines help us attain and access these, these other dimensions that, that are inside of us and be able to embody and integrate them in a very well, whole, whole, holistic way and, uh, and, and come into really authentically who we actually are as beings on this planet in this universe which is accessing those dimensions that normally we're not fully aware of um and this is really interesting because in a psychedelic experience i've never heard kind of this uh perspective around accessing the full dimension of the frequencies that we are capable of i'd love for you to like talk a little bit more about that and how like sound comes into that because as you were sharing it landed in me just like how impactful the music we actually listen to can actually affect everything in our whole body and and during a psychedelic experience especially like everything is is heightened up and um how does sound play into those different frequencies and how 
I mean, it's a bit of magic, like you said, honestly, like it's a little bit magical to me, but it's very scientific as well. I'd love to you expand on like when sound comes in, what happens? Sure, sure, sure. Um, okay, well, uh, let's talk about the bodies, the body systems. They're, they're, in the ear, uh, there is an, uh, what they call the auricular branch of the vagus nerve. And in, in the, in the larynx, there's the laryngeal, pharolaryngeal branch of the vagus nerve too. So there's a feedback loop of the, you know, vagus nerves. We're taking signals in through our ears. There is cranial nerve. I'm going to say seven. I get these mixed up every once in a while. I think it's cranial nerve number seven or number eight, the vestibular cochlear nerve coming in through the cortex in through the limbic system in through to the brainstem, which is responsible for balance of the system and joining of the, of the left and, and the left and right hemispheres of the, of the brain. So we're already wired for sound to be, to take us to, to these dimensions. Now we're listening to, if we're listening to a song specifically, we can relate the different instruments to the different brain waves. So a drum beat or a pulse or, or something like that is no, I'm going to say no faster than, you know, 200, 200 beats per minute, 240, 40 beats a minute. Like you're getting up there, you're getting to like thrash metal and, and things like that. But that, that range with the drum beat, you know, can go down to you know, 60 beats a minute. And we can relate this to Hertz now. So the Delta wave consciousness is between 0.1 hertz and 4 hertz. The 4 hertz is uh, 4 cycles a second, so that gets us up to 240 beats a minute. So anything percussive like a bass drum and a snare drum is directly in training the delta state, which is crazy. You can feel that and the, the pulse is going, and then all of a sudden there's this innate, the body wants to start to move, and we don't know why to relate that to the brain stem is now becoming active and responsive. And then I can, from that, from that observation, I can relate the Delta state of consciousness to be affecting the brain stem. from that point of view, it's pulling us out. It's pulling us into the present and then coming into this, this place, we move up to theta, which is the next level It's around four to eight Hertz. And the pulsing, I consider that sort of, sort of be like a baseline. So we're building the structures up now. There's some sort of melody coming out through the pulse. So you got the, you know, the, the, the drum beat and the, the pulse. And then there's like this, um, joining together of with the pulse, some sort of a low melody, which is, I relate to the theta. And then we move up to, because the, the baseline is often doing the subsets of, of the, uh, of whatever the drum beat is, and then move up to the alpha, uh, alpha state of consciousness and the, the alpha brainwave. And I'm going to look at, you know, maybe it's, it's a little bit of guitar on that. So you got, now you got the layers of the first three subsets of brainwaves. And then what's next, some sort of a melody, some sort of a melody or a vocalization which is where language and, and words come in, which is a beta state. <laughs> and then, you know, coming up from coming up into the, uh, to the gamma, uh, very, very, very high, high intensity. It could be, 
you know, it could be a shake or it could be, um, it could be like a harmonies, like a, you know, six part harmonies. I'm thinking of queen, um, Bohemian Rhapsody and those, those harmonies that they come up the, you know, those frequencies that they're, they're creating in there. Like you're going through gamma and all, all through this, all through all of the brain waves. And so let's go back to theta with the, with the baseline. So we're, we're going to align the baseline and the, and the, uh, and the, and the drum beat, the Delta, the Delta and the theta to be influencing, obviously the brainstem, we talked about that, but then what happens after that? The brain stem is connected to the limbic system, which is where all your memories and all your emotions and thoughts, thoughts come from. And it's the connection. So it starts to influence what my thoughts are, what my emotions are. So depending on the groove or the pulse of a song or a pulse of the music, we can influence, we have access to the emotional content. We have access to memories. I don't know if you're listening to a song that was from your teenage years, it brings back all those memories from your teenage years or when you, when you were a child, this is how it works. You have access to it. And then in alpha state, we get to, we can start to come into what that memory memory is and actually have some sort of a visual, what that memory is and bring it out. And then start, we can actually start to talk about it, which then brings us into the beta state. We start to use our words. And then we start to use, you know, harmonies on top with the, with the gamma state. So the limbic system, we can, we can sort of relate to, um, a high theta and, uh, beta, uh, sorry, an alpha state. And then when we get into a full visualization, we're getting into sort of a beta because the vision's coming and then our interaction with whatever it is around us is a high, you know, it comes into the gamma state. We start to, we start to take it, uh, action with, with, uh, with, uh, with what, what is coming through in, in the brain waves and the frequencies that are being produced is not just one frequency. It's the relationship between two or more notes or two or more pulses. It's not just one in that relationship. We, uh, create what we now know as a binaural pro pulse, B-I-N-A-U-R-A-L frequency, which is that's the importance of helping our nervous system understand um, where we need to go, how we can drop in and how we can really come into being present with ourselves. It's those frequencies we join allows the joining of the left and right hemisphere, as well as access to brainstem limbic system and, and, and gamma or the, sorry, the cortex, the cortex is the, the, the higher awareness. So I didn't, it didn't touch into that. So the, the, the high, the high beta and gamma, we can consider the cortex. So the cortex is online. We want to access, I want, I want access to my full brain, not just the limbic system or the brainstem. So with the binaural pulses, we join the left and right hemispheres, which we know that the left is a little bit more logical task oriented and the right. That is a, a more, uh, emotional, creative, um, let's say creative more than, more than emotional. And it's the, the joining of those spheres, the two hemispheres, which is helping us right now in this day and age to come into who, who we fully are. We've been programmed to be task oriented. Um, I remember going to for job interviews. Are you, can you multitask? <laughs> oh, of course I can. Okay. I, want, I really want the job, which then puts us, uh, you know, the left brain puts us into a very, very, uh, sympathetic state of being 
we're in the sympathetic state of being, you know, what happens with the stress we talked about that earlier. Um, you know, my, some of my colleagues that I've been talking with as well over the past couple of years is that we're so right brain deficient as a species that we've forgotten how to be creative, feel our emotions and be okay with them. Know, not judge ourselves or anything like that and just have a fully, fully uh, human experience. So, and that's when music can come in and kind of hijack the program, right? It's like when you're jamming to a really good song, like you just feel like dancing and you're humming and you forget stuff that is on your to-do list. It feels great, right? So it's what happens when that happens? Well, this is, uh, this is it. The, um, I'm going to say the, the external consequence of not completing a task is not there anymore. Right. That's an external thing that, you know, the, the music helps us, uh, come fully into the present with ourselves. And it's like, okay, well, just do things as I, as I flow. I, I am the master of my own destiny. It comes into, into place and music does. And I, I like the way you say it, it hijacks, it hijacks the, the sympathetic response and then brings us into this full, you know, community with our, all of ourselves. And then that allows us to be in community with others. And we're not specifically thinking about a task that I got to do and ignore everything, everything else. Mm -hmm. And during, during a psychedelic experience, um, you know, most traditions and most containers like include music of some sort, either you have a playlist with the, you know, the face mask on, or there's a person, a practitioner singing and, or people are playing songs on their radio. There's a lot of times a music component. What happens when you're pairing the psychedelic experience with the sound? What happens in your body and your brain that invokes such a special sacred ceremonial space um, and accesses things that um, in our day-to-day -day life we're not able to access? Is it that it touches on all their frequencies and it removes the judgment or the left brain thinking, like what happens uh, when you pair the two together? Sure. Great, uh, great question. Thank you for asking that. You know, the, the music is, is, is vibrational. You can't touch it. You know, you, you can't necessarily taste music, but you can feel it. You can definitely, definitely feel it and have a, have a, a visceral response. And then you bring in plant medicines, you can touch it and you can taste it. So the fizzy, the, the combination of, you can say music is a yang medicine and uh, a plant medicine is a yin medicine. So music is something that comes from the outside in. And when we take plant medicines, it's working from the inside out. So it's very, very effective at, uh, you know, getting into those places that we need to get into uh, for a full whole body healing or, you know, a full body uh, a reset there. The plant medicines, you know, they're, when we get into the, we call them, I'm going to call them yin, but there's all, all, always a yin and yang aspect to, 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 to whichever, whatever the medicine is. And I look at, you know, iboga being a little bit more yang than ayahuasca and ayahuasca being a little bit more yin. And there's no reason why you can't combine. There is no reason why you can't combine the medicines or combine different medicines for, for integration. Chinese medicine taught me that it, it's not one medicine. It's not one medicine that's going to help the, help the system. It's going to be a combination of maybe like three or four or two or three, but it has to be more than just the one, which is really, and really just, interesting. Just, just as a disclaimer for like uh, the people out there, like we're not 
like suggesting to like have you know four medicines at the same time but yeah. more of like having a variety of different experiences to touch on different parts of our psyche for sure for sure and thank and thank you for that because you know we know that the ayahuasca brew is made out of two plants it's not just it's not just the one right it's not just one um and yeah, and, and thank you for saying that, not recommending to go out and do that, but understanding that the, the different medicines are going to have different, uh, different affects on the psyche and the body as well. So, um, I've, I've known when, you know, I've, I've communed with ayahuasca, it's more of a nighttime, very still, not, not, not moving in anything like that. But when I've gone out and communed with iboga, it's very, very functional and very, very, um, um, I'm very, it's, it's more of a, a daytime a daytime with the, with the aboga for me, some for myself. And then you bring in psilocybin or, 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 uh, the, the, uh, that kind of, that kind of medicine too. We're looking at a combination of like, it's an in-between it's not too young and it's not too yin. Um, so there, you know, the, the different capabilities and the different aspects for the different medicines are, are that which, which they are. But when I was studying, I'll let you know, when I was studying the, the Chinese medicine, we had to, we had to experience one herb at a time so that we knew what affect that it would have. And then we can, you know, we can integrate the, uh, the other, the other medicines, uh, appropriately. And when you bring in, um, uh, the musical element during a ceremony, what, what is happening between, uh, the plant and your mm. body and the music? So, okay. I, uh, so we, we, we've talked about the yin and yang, yang aspects. So we can talk about music being yang. We can talk about the plant, the plant medicine being, being a little bit yin. There are two aspects for, you know, Chinese medicine, which really, really help. There's the qi, which is the energy, which influences the movement. And then there's like the blood or the, the fluids or the, 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 the physical, like the, the physical body and stuff. And it's the chi that moves the fluids through the body. Um, so it's important, and I, I relate music like chi. The music's going to influence the vibration and how it flows. And then you've got the plant medicine, which is uh, the reconstituting of the physical body. And it flushes out everything. It doesn't need to know anybody that has done plant medicines before. There's either uh, some sort of a, a purge, like a diaphoresis or, or a bowel evacuation or um, a uh, uh, esophagus uh, regurgitation too. And it's, uh, it's all part of the clearing. But music, music is so important to integrate with, uh, with this medicine and this type of healing because it influences the way it moves. And we can get into all the states of consciousness and we don't really have to do anything except receive and release. And it's important for the music to be there because in those difficult places and those dark, 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 really dark places, or we get entangled in, and there's often judgments, the music often helps clear the, clear the entanglement, it clears the attachment and then helps to helps to move it through. And you touched a little bit on it, but I'd love to learn more about it, which is, um, the different frequencies touch on different emotions. Um, and when you're working with a plant medicine, you're going through your journey, there's different content that will obviously come up. Um, how does music or sound, um, kind of bridge the experience of the, 
the, the sound itself into different parts of our emotional content mm. and how does it help it move or help it resolve or help it come to peace in our bodies? Um, which is a potentially deep question that is mm. probably multifaceted and not such a one answer for all, but what are the things you've experienced before in terms of, because you do sound therapy, like Indeed. matching a different sound frequency with a certain kind of use case or a certain uh, piece of content that someone's going through. Like, how do you do that, and what happens then? The the different the different frequencies, and you know, I don't feel like it's uh, it's it's not a random thing that there's five there's five different brainwave frequencies, and there's five emotions, and there's five virtues, and there's five elements here. So depending on, you know, what, uh, you know, what we're, what we're working with or, or what, uh, you know, what a client would come, come and see, see me for with, uh, with sound therapy or sound healing and, and, uh, and plant medicines, the baseline would be, what is it, what is it that's most present? And if it's a, you know, a, uh, when I say a fear-based response, when a fear-based response is, 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 is embedded in the Delta and the delta and like low theta um, relating it to the brainstem, right? So we can use those types of frequencies to move the fear out, flush the fear out with, you know, with the plant medicines help as well in combination of move the fear out so that it's not driving the show anymore, right? That, that, that delta wave is like, uh, you know, just, just, you know, imagine yourself in the middle of the ocean, and you've got these waves, you know, they're slowly, you know, coming by, you know, these big giant waves and you don't really have control over that current. You can swim as hard as you want, but that ocean wave or that, that, that wave is going to push you in the direction that it's going to push you. So I look at that and I'm like, okay, well, Delta, Delta wave, a fear response, the virtue is wisdom. So we can look at like where we can draw from wisdom in there, but the element in Chinese medicine is guess what? Water. Mm -hmm. We can look at that. We can look at like how water moves. Water can become anything at once. It can crash. It can carve. It can, you know, the, the little stream that created the grand Canyon just, it just kept going. So water that the Delta wave and like the low theta waves are very, very influential. We look at, we can get into the theta wave and relate it to uh, anger. You know, if anger gets stuck or it is the first and foremost front fear, if there's a fear response, there's a safety issue. And what often comes into play when you need to protect yourself is anger. The anger is going to say, nope, create a, you know, create a boundary. But if that's auto on ongoing, that's, what's going to manifest, you know, through, through, through the way and anger often will influence an alpha state, which then, uh, then can, can produce, uh, you know, worry. Anger starts to feed itself, right? Anger's like, well, I have to, you know, create a thought process that's going to help, you know, justify my anger and then keep me in this, in this fear response. And then we move up into, uh, the, uh, the beta frequencies, the beta, you know, the beta and the gamma frequencies are so closely related because they are waking states and they're very, very like, you know, 
active manifestation, if that makes sense, the, the active manifestations in those states, that's where we take action and we can bring things to life. We can, you know, there's an interchangeable between the uh, like anxiety and uh, grief and sadness. So but the beta often when there's a lot of worry, worry, worry will fuel the, uh, the, uh, the sadness and grief. We start with fear. There's been a bit of a boundary being crossed. Anger then steps in to say, Hey, no push, you know, this is you know, not okay. And then the, the worry and the thoughts start to come online. And then there's the sadness and grief of like, I don't feel okay. I feel lonely and I feel isolated and I can't connect to anything. Mm-hmm. And that, that produces then, uh, like an anxious over time, a very, very, very anxious, anxious response. And, and is uh, that how you as a facilitator, um, and there's more frequencies and emotions, but once you've identified kind of a, a pattern or a signature or someone shared an intention around something, how do you create a music playlist for them? Or how do you decide which sounds are you trying to counter or the fear response of something a bit more hopeful? Like how do you, how do you do that from both a scientific, but also like there's an artistic side of this as well, right? Like there's a creative mm. side of this that comes in as well. And I'd love for you to share your process around that. Sure. Thanks. Thank, thank, thank you. There's, you know, there's, there's so much that comes through with, um, we, you know, with that, uh, with that, like I'm, I'm fortunate because I'm a musician, so I can custom create, um, on the, on the spot. So based on, you know, my, my TCM, you know, diagnosis and in, in back in the day, and then incorporating that into what kind of sounds can I make? What kind of vocal tones can I make? And what kind of like, uh, songs can I introduce to, uh, to this? If you're making, you know, playlists are great. They're, they're, they're wonderful to have because they, they're incorporating all of the, you know, all of the frequencies and, and things like that. But if you're making a playlist, can you make a playlist like quickly for, you know, your next client when they come in, um, and then, you know, do, do, a, do a nice playlist for like 45 minutes or, or an hour, however long your session is, is it, um, you know, is it, is it going to be the, the, the most appropriate for that set and setting? Being that like, if I made it, if I made something five days ago and I'm bringing this, this playlist into a current setting, is it going to be relevant for, for that? Right. So the, the most important thing with the playlist is where do you start? If you have a range of songs for fear or, you know, or, or Delta, Delta wave, and that's what you're working with first, then you can be present with your playlist, understanding, watching, watching with your client, where your client is, where your client's breath is, where your client states of data consciousness, what is the next song to be introduced from a, from a, from a, from a playlist. And that's, I'm going to have a great conversation. I just uh, signed on with the Mishner Institute with the, uh, the, uh, university health network here in Toronto for foundations of psychedelic studies. And they brought me on to talk about music curation and, and, uh, sound and, and playlists. And these are really, really important things to, to understand that it's, this is a dynamic process. It's not the same every single time, you know, with the, with the clients that you're using, or sorry, uh, with the songs that you're using and then the, the clients that, uh, that I'm working with. Every client, every situation is new. 
it's, it's a different circumstance, you know, from one hour to the next one, from one day to the next, which then requires an intuitiveness, you know, inside myself and develop that, uh, intuitiveness inside and then understand what I can bring to the table in my tool set. So at, at the beginning, when I started, I knew, I knew a few things, but over the years, I'm, you know, it's expanded, you know, the, the songs, the range, the vocal tones, um, the, you know, I'm including some playlists in, in, you know, as, as people come in, there's like a nice vibrational music that that's being played. And then, you know, depending on the tones and things, I can have that going, um, um, underneath the session as I then incorporate some live aspect, you know, using my voice or, or, or guitar, um, in, uh, or crystal bowls, um, shakers, uh, f uh, native Indian flute and, uh, drumming too. So it, you know, it, it can vary. Um, but I would caution against having like a static playlist, you know, it's, it's the mm -hmm. same, the same thing, you know, I know for myself, if I'm listening to the same songs over and over again, I get a little bit bored. And if I'm in a, a client setting or in, in, in that kind of setting, if there's just that, you know, a few playlists that I'm using, I would, I would challenge people that are listening or the practitioners that are listening to this podcast. How can I make my playlist more dynamic in the moment, in that moment and, and cater it for, um, you know, the group at hand, you know, you see the group at hand, it might be a mix of maybe, you know, three or four of the playlists that are curated, but that at least I have access to what is the next song or what is the, what is the next dimension that we need to introduce with the, uh, with the songs if that, uh, if that makes sense, I'm seeing, I'm seeing things spark up in you. Oh, well, I'm, I'm really fascinated by the, um, the frequencies relating to specific emotional content and then like, how sound can come in. And, uh, for example, if someone is working with fear, I'm curious to understand better. Like if you have a curated playlist for fear, um, what are you trying to achieve in the nervous system and the frequencies of the person that alleviates them or at least temporarily from fear? Like, what are you trying to change there in the frequencies? Like what happens when you're creating the perfect playlist for that person? Good question. Uh, the, well, we, we look at you. So you've created a, a playlist for, for fear and you can, you know, create a playlist, playlist for anger and frustration and, and, uh, anxiousness and worry and, uh, sadness and grief too. And, you know, have like four or five different playlists there. But what we're trying to do is if somebody's in fear all the time, we want to give them access to the rest of the system. So like we know that as the practitioners and guides meeting the, meeting the person or meeting the group where they're at first. So introducing those frequencies that relate to fear, but then bringing in some sort of maybe a, um, a verbal narrative to instill the virtue. What is the fear saying? Right, so there could be a, a narrative or, or a song that invokes that sort of contemplation. And we know that with words, words and spoken voice, we're accessing an alpha, oh, sorry, a high alpha and a, a beta state. So it's giving the delta, and we'll say the delta state, access to a range of self, which is um, a, a little bit more waking, and then being able to be present with the fear 
and then understanding and vocalizing what it actually is. Once we've done that, we can drop into some sort of a theta, which we can then reimagine or revisualize what it is we want the response to be instead of fear. It's like almost like a hypnotherapy almost. Well, it's exactly like that's how hypnotherapy works. And from the theta state, we have now access to the, the, the delta, the theta, uh, the alpha, the beta, and then all, that, all that's left to come online is the, is the gamma, gamma awareness, which is the, uh, the cortex, the higher, the higher brain centers and our decision executive functioning. And I uh, will say the spiritual aspects or spiritual connection or the crown chakra. Um, that's, that's where we want to go. We want to move. So depending on what the state is, and often we'll say often it's the fight or flight or the, or the fear response that we're, that's driving the show. We want to work with that, but depending on what, what is presenting itself, if it's uh, anxiousness, if it's worry, whatever that is, you can start with that specific brainwave and then introduce the other dimensions. Well, so to, so to speak, or the other brainwaves, I hope that answers your question. It does. Thank you. So Phil, this is all fascinating information. Uh, I'm learning a lot and I have tons more questions. Um, and I'm also curious around for the people at home that uh, are really curious around integrating this knowledge into their life. Like what are some practical advice for uh, psychedelic preparation integration, for example, like how can, uh, you know, having a bit more awareness around frequencies and around the emotional content that's stored in uh, those frequencies and how music can affect that. Like, what are ways that people can uh, support their journey with uh, what you've shared here today? Uh, thank you for asking that. You know, um, it's taken a lot of my own personal experience and my, my personal journeys with uh with the music and, and frequencies and exploring different tones and, and, and different aspects of that and really really understanding how um, it affects myself in that because you know when we when we enter into a ceremony or we enter into any sort of uh, uh energetic um uh, dynamic with uh, a group or or a one-on-one -on -one session we have to understand that we are not separate to understand that we are part of the system in play. Um, although we're acting as the, you want to say guide or captain of the ship or, or how, you know, the, the pilot, um, we also need to know that we, we are a part of this whole, um, this whole dynamic. So the, you know, the important, the important part is to make sure to practice, you know, with self and then, and practice with, with others and, and get, you know, generous feedback and, and uh, um, all of the all of the sharing that happens with with those experiences, and understand that we are we are beings. We are on the journey too. I am no I am no further along than you know any any anyone else here. But I have I have some strengths that I, I can I can uh, bring to the table as a as an offering. Bring to the altar as an offering. And, uh, you know, and just keep, you know, keep practicing, keep practicing with the, with the nuances, even, even the time of day, you know, the, the you know, a morning ceremony is going to be completely different than an afternoon ceremony and in an evening ceremony, I am, you know, watching with the light frequencies and where the sun is and where the moon is and astrologically, all of those, 
all of those uh, celestial bodies uh, out there playing effect with frequency, gravitation, or sorry, gra uh, gravity and and uh, and uh, the uh, the electromagnetic fields and and things like that. Practice, practice, practice as a as a musician and uh, uh, as a as a as a vocalist. The more that I practice and the more that I I uh, develop this side of myself, the integration side of myself, the more intuitive I'm going to be able to be in, in the room or in that dynamic that I'm with myself. So exploring how Delta frequencies, you know, um, at work on me and, and, and through up to the gamma, I, uh, I have a, uh, sound therapy practitioner certification program, which is a, it's a five day, uh, module and we look at each frequency um, and the the relationships in each in each module and I uh, demonstrate with uh, what I called a tone as a tone generator it's an app that you can get that you can create the binaural frequencies and actually feel what that pulse feels like and what is it was it what is it doing to the nervous system so I've gotten really good response and we're looking at incorporating that as a workshop in through the Missioner Institute with the University Health Network for Foundations of Psychotherapy here in Toronto. And it's looking at really self-discovery and self-discovery about what it is and how it feels, what's, what it's bringing up. And it's, you know, it's going to take, take some practice and take some patience. And, you know, there's no rush. There's no rush to do this work as a, as a group collaboratively working with, you know, another person that's in, in the same journey can help speed up the process. So if you're working with a group or working with a, with a team on that, on that same level, you can each explore together and then you can each share together what the experiences were like. So that, that, that aspect too. And then making sure that you have a good mentor that you can check in with. Sometimes things come up and it's just like, I don't know what to do with this. I'm not sure where to, you know, where to go or where to access it. So I'm, I'm very fortunate to have, um, some very key people in my life that, uh, that are like, you know, they have a more, a little bit more experience, 20, 30, 40 <laughs> years, more experience that I can rely on to say, Hey, this happened. And this is, this is sort of where I feel that I need to, you know, integrate, you know, integrate some of the information. Can you, uh, can you help assist in this circumstance? So being, being sure that you're not doing this alone, making sure that you have, uh, you know, a, a team like Nectara behind you, you have the resources, uh, behind you to, uh, to support your process. Uh, the main takeaway that I would say for the preparation is self-practice first self-practice first and then practice with others and then you start to really really introduce introduce that my 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 first mentor said that i wouldn't be ready until i had 10 years and i was like 10 years <laughs> i want to heal i want to help help people heal now and it's the process of the, you know, the, the hours and the days and, and the years of, of embodiment. So then it becomes second nature and then, um, moving that's, that's for like, you know, preparation, but moving into the integration process, 
the, you know, from, you know, I'd say from a quantum physics, just from a quantum physics point of view, scientific point of view. And, you know, I use this, um, this, you know, this explanation in the uh, sound therapy practitioner program is uh, the uh, double slit experiment where if it's not observed, you know, if you, you can look into it, if, if, if what is happening is not observed, it's unlimited potential. It can be anything. Um, and from, you know, the worst case scenario to the best case scenario, it just, just, just doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't, it just doesn't really care. There's no judgment there, but once it's observed, once it's observed, what is showing up, it organizes itself. I don't, I myself, Phil don't have to do anything for anyone. Just simply observe. That's how powerful we are as human beings. Like if we were just witnessed and observed, our nervous system knows what to do to reorganize itself, to be in the present. And that's the best piece of advice I can give for integration. There is no advice giving <laughs> as, I'm, as, I'm, as, I'm, as I'm giving advice here or, or suggestions here. Um, it is up to the person that we're witnessing to come to their own wisdom. Right. And then we start to instill the virtue and they get to tap into something inside of themselves instead of being sort of dependent on my response, tap into tap inside to, to some part of themselves where they can actually start to grow and develop their own balance without the training wheels. That makes if that makes sense. And that's the, you know, that's the biggest piece of, uh, you know, with, with my experience with, uh, integration practice. And I hope that helps. Yeah, it's super interesting. Um, from a practitioner perspective, um, of course, you have a training program that people can can join in Toronto. And I don't know if you're doing it online, but um, we'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, I'm curious from um, from a journeyer's perspective. You know, I'm heading into a, assuming I'm a, heading into a ceremony in a month or two months. How can I leverage sound and music? Um, to help me land in the space in a safer and deeper way. And then conversely, how do I leverage music? Like typically what I do is I have my giant playlist um, that I put on and it's just like music I love and it really gets me into the medicine space. But what's a more like scientifically trauma-informed way of leveraging sound to for before and after the ceremony? The first thing that comes to mind is, uh, you know, curate a playlist of your favorite songs. You know, that's going to, you know, help, um, help to bring you through the emotional entanglement first and foremost. Secondly, um, you can, you know, you can look at curating a playlist that speaks specifically to your intention, your intention of the work that it is that you want to do. And you can build a playlist around your intention often. Often when I do uh, one-on-one sessions or, or group sessions and things like that, I encourage the person that is coming to, to create a playlist based on what their favorite songs were when they were, were you know, before, before teenagers and in, in the teen, teen uh, and in their teenagers, we know that, you know, most of the, uh, the, um, the neural pathways are, are built on that. And then, and then to, curate a playlist that is based around your, your intention of what it is that you want to heal or whatever you feel that it, it is that you need to heal. That is, uh, I'm going to say the most ideal 
two parts. But if you don't know what the intention is first, then that's okay. Um, build a playlist of your, of your favorite songs. And then from there, you can um, uh, define it, polish the playlist, or create other playlists around specific intentions that you want to do, or if there's a specific emotional content, or if there's a specific memory that's um, firing off on emotional content, you can do that. But to have both, so that you can move the emotional content, and then you can listen to your favorite playlist to bring you into uh, bring you into now and that uh, you know the feel good joy the joy space. Beautiful, thank you. Um, you host uh, regular sound events in Toronto and online as well. Twilight Tuesdays. A lot of what I've seen you do is bringing community around sound, which I found beautiful and amazing. It's reconnecting us to our ancestral roots of getting together around a bonfire or music or you know it varies but uh the power of community and sound like you want to share a little bit more about what you've experienced there and um you know how are you bringing community around sound and how can people engage with that yeah community and sound um you know we 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 each resonate differently you know we all each resonate uh, you know with it with a different uh our own unique vibration. I got to say, it's not good nor bad or anything like that. If you if you if you can look at us as a you know a two different notes coming together, that resonant frequency is creating a third vibration. So in a group dynamic, you know something that some vibration that I may be necessarily not aware of or that is in the subconscious um, can be brought through and witnessed through somebody else's work. As our nervous systems come together in community and in groups, it's the mirror neurons in our brain that are um, that are interacting with with each other, even pre-verbal. So all of those downloads and all that, all of those signaling, as we go through our journey together, so we heal together at a uh, you know at a more expansive uh, expansive rate, and it's a it's a beautiful thing to come together in uh, in the community. And I've seen some wonderful things happen on on Twilight Tuesday. So we're really excited uh, to be doing that, and uh, we're going to start up the Twilight Tuesday next uh, next spring in person. But it's been uh, it's been a year uh, since I launched it online, and it was like uh, a week after I uh, broke my broke my ankle um, on the on this full moon in Taurus last year, and it's been quite a journey and quite an experience to develop my own practice and come to the community with my own practice every single Tuesday and then just seeing the community grow. It's not something I could put together so that I would do something for the community. You know, I showed up doing something for myself and then allowing and giving permission for the community to do things for themselves in community. And that was just a switch, a total switch and in, in, you know, in my practice and in my intentions and things like that. Um, and then the the sound therapy practitioner program it's all online now we launched it last year so we did so we did the live classes and then we recorded them and it's a, it's a hundred hour uh, continuing education uh, um, program that has uh, been partnered with uh, daybreak uh, therapy and training in here in Toronto and uh, if you're a psychotherapist or a social worker uh, um, this program is eligible for continuing education units and I I feel that that's pretty uh, revolutionary in, uh, in these times that psychotherapists can actually take a sound therapy program and get continuing education units 
to uh, I, I laugh with joy. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's amazing that they, you know, you can, you know, you're, you can incorporate this. We did it in such a way you can incorporate sound therapy into your practice, wherever you are. Um, and we're launching the level two training in Costa Rica in February, which will be, uh, which will be in person. And I'm actually right after this call, I'm getting on, uh, getting on a uh, call with the president of daybreak therapy and training to iron out, uh, what it, what the days are going to look like. And then we're going to start marketing that. So that's going to be available next February, 2023, uh, February 1st to 5th and the uh, 5th being the full moon in Leo. Uh, yeah, I'll just say that. That's beautiful. I, I, as as I was, you were talking earlier around the science and everything. It just dawned on me that, like, I personally feel like every practitioner, a therapist out there that's working with people, that's working with, uh, you know, the healing space in general, should be trained in, in just a, a science and uh, of sound and how it interfaces with the the, the body, mind, and soul, really. Um, and even you know, dreaming further is like let's have our city planners and people design airports and stuff to be trained in this stuff so that we can create these places of of sound healing wherever we're going Um, not to put music everywhere but just to have an understanding of how we can create better spaces for humanity to live in really like that's a big piece to me i find that um it's uh maybe in the future we'll be having conversations where there's a lot more access and a lot more understanding of sound and so that we can weave that into our everyday life i find that very interesting and um, very hopeful about that in the future and so yeah thanks for putting the program together and um and doing this sort of work it's beautiful and um yeah thank you so much for sharing your story and your knowledge and i feel like there's a 10-part series here we can go on into science (laughs) and i hopefully we touched on the main things but uh yeah thanks so much for for sharing this with us today you're so welcome, Pascal. Tag, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you, Phil. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate you and your work um, and blessings on today. And uh, uh, looking forward to the next conversation. Thank you, Pascal. Hope you have a wonderful day. And uh, anytime we want to talk about sound and frequencies, vibration, and healing, uh, I'm happy. I'm happy You're my to guy. jump. <laughs> Thank, you. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Take care of yourself.